Hi, I'm Carrie Kirchner. And I'm Andrew McPhail. And we've, and been, we've pen been pen pals for 28, for 28 years. years. <laughs> and now we're spending time with each other every week, sharing the eternal wisdom made manifest in our lives and in those of our listeners. So greetings, family and friends, warriors and strivers all. Welcome, Welcome to Sacred, to Sacred Airspace. Airspace. Well, today we take a look at the dividing line inside that yin-yang that we talk so much about. You know, we we explore the concept of balance an awful lot. Mm. And the concept of balance is also the concept of difference, of polarity, of a certain weightedness on both sides. And, uh, you know, we we always talk about the the other side of the same coin, etc., and today we're going to look at that in a very global, like whole person kind of mm. way. When you thought about the different selves that we have within us, Carrie, what came to mind? Uh, um, well, I I think we started this conversation um, really centering on like the inside and the outside. Like, oh, there's in jail and out of jail, right, you know, or prison kind of thing. And we yeah. talked about crossing that line, like you're saying. So we started batting around the idea of our public lives and our private lives. Right. And it, and it's very easy when you have that concrete barrier. <laughs> no oh, pun intended. Pun Jesus. Intended. Um, where, you know, once you're on the inside, there's a whole di- world that operates differently than the outside world. Mm-hmm. So for those of you who, you know, might be wondering, oh, you know, really, is there that much difference? Well, just think about a few important things. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the outside world, uh, cash is king, but on the inside, goods are king. On the outside, it's hard to find enough time to live the life you want, but inside, all you've got is time Mm. on the outside there's a lot of technology but on the inside there's not Mm. on the outside there's a lot of privacy available to you but on the inside there's a total lack of it even if you need it yeah the outside is sort of like a a team and family you know motif and on the inside it's maybe a friend or two and yourself wow and my my favorite of them all is that on the outside People live by coping, but on the inside, people live by confrontation. Mm. So these are very different worlds. Mm. So different that people who work in corrections in any capacity tend to develop sort of a partitioning of the brain, that there's two ways of operating because there's two different worlds Mm. that we go into. And this sort of brought on the discussion, as you were saying, of our uh, our work selves, our home selves, our public selves, our private selves. Don't yes. we all partition our brains and our operating procedures to a certain extent? Yeah. I think the answer is yes, although that assertion would have bothered me in my 20s. Absolutely. See, that's that's like where I kind of, that's the rub, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, oh, I'm somebody else when I'm out in public or work or school or, you know, where I show up? Like, yeah. am I somebody yeah. different when I'm talking to a customer service person? 
on the phone versus if I'm talking to my kids. And so um, in psychology, they call um, I, they call that congruence. Like mm-hmm. when you think you're operating in one system and you actually are, I would say mm-hmm. that's that's reality. <laughs> so, and, and, yeah. And Cialdini refers to this as the consistency principle that we try to keep our operations the same to ourselves, like in our own judgment. We try to keep our operations the same as we view them in different spheres because we want to feel that we are being true to ourselves. That's exactly what bothered me in an introductory sociology course in college when the teacher attempted to demonstrate this principle and I had a vitriolic reaction. Um, essentially saying, don't you dare tell me that I'm not being myself. When I'm awake, I'm myself. Thank you very much. And yet, (laughs) was I? Yes. Was I really? Could Mm -hmm. I ever be? And does that mean that I don't have integrity? Which was what I was really worried about. Yes. So as as you know, and I think our listeners know by now, integrity is one of my favorite words mm-hmm. and my favorite um, characters to draw out. Um, my teacher told me that in Japanese, um, when you draw out the character, it's an upright person who looks the same in all directions in relation to their heart. Mm-hmm. So I interpret that as when I show up for myself, I'm making the same core value choices. When I am functioning at work, I am holding myself myself to those same standards. And that's when those those core values, those beliefs, those morals, those ethics are acted out. So they need to be same when they're dormant and active and um, all the places that we um, that we are present and that's one of the most brilliant things that you've brought to to this discussion because you've taken the assumption that the yin yang itself is the whole essence and you've smashed that you've basically said the yin yang is a circle but everything outside the circle also exists and that incredible infiniteness outside the circle is our core values yeah so that when- great that great yeah. storehouse of power and purpose it goes on in every direction forever so yeah i i go like not only so i used to say a circle too but now i say a sphere okay oh <laughs> um, that yeah oh, i, I like that i know right like three dimensions exactly mm-hmm. um and then i also think of like my core values like how i hold myself accountable is in the core of my being. So mm-hmm. kind of like in how I'm set up, like in my spinal cord, there is this upright column mm-hmm. and it is running through me. And I kind of think of that as my real essence. Mm-hmm. And and then, you know, then you have my flesh and bones and, and then like you have my actions. So it's kind of like going from this, this, uh, matter right to mm-hmm. something you know something a little bit more fluid and fuzzy wait um, you mean to tell me that matter and energy have an exchange rate i don't know do i i'm not the scientist <laughs> here 
<laughs> I'm the woo person. For those, right. For those of you who missed the E equals MC squared joke right there, but that's exactly what you're telling me is that matter, the 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 stuff that we can actually see under the microscope gets converted to energy, which is what powers how we move our body, which is what expresses our core values. So yes, matter and energy do have an exchange rate and they go back and forth all the time, but inside that mystical being that we call the human. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I guess, so like when I started thinking about this, looking the same from all directions um, and meditating and being still, because that's kind of like when I could really Mm. be the witness, right? I noticed like, you know, when I showed up in public places and had interactions with other people, uh, I would feel like anxious or upset as a result of those interactions. Um, mm-hmm. Either like say I people pleased and I was like, oh yeah, I'll totally do that for you. And, you know, cost myself, you know, 10 hours of labor unintentionally when not, I should have thought about it. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like, so I compromised mm-hmm. what my belief system was or, uh, you know, I, I paid, uh, I overpaid <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. uh, it, it energetically and um, fell down a little bit. So, so I noticed like when I was around other people, I could have shifted my operating system. So I was incongruent with my values and that's where my tension or upsetness came from. You're comforting my heart so much right now, because as I look back upon my life, I see a lot of the same things. And namely, to rephrase what I think you've been trying to get at here, that in trying to show integrity in every way and to be completely true to yourself, you actually ended up applying one set of standards in multiple different worlds. And so you applied a standard that worked in one world into a different world where it didn't work. In other words, you you tried to pay cash for something inside. (laughs) You tried to use confrontation instead of coping on the outside type of thing. Mm. And so it didn't work and that frustrated you. And you actually, through that decision, ended up robbing yourself of the protection of the boundaries. Mm. That's what what I mean when I was talking about my difficulties in setting boundaries. Yes. It also goes to ask, just sort of rhetorically, and and we'll jump right back into it. Um, Did those boundaries just exist and I failed to acknowledge them properly? Or did I need to draw them myself? Or is that just another yin yang where it's two parts of the same thing? I needed to do both in order to be in balance. I would say both and. Always. (laughs) (laughs) So... So for those who, uh, so for those who sort of are, you know, sitting here thinking, oh, you know, this is, this is a big world with a lot of revelations in it. Yeah, it is. Um, what are some of the chief difficulties that come to mind when you look back upon this conundrum slash juxtaposition slash paradox in your life? And you know, what can you share from your journey that, uh, you know, that will help others along the way? I really started thinking about this after I uh, became pregnant with Delaney. Mm. 
my my first alive born child <laughs> mm-hmm. and i was in martial arts at the time mm. and i had this growing life inside of me mm. and i i love learning how to become lethal like mm-hmm. that is like i mean bad ass you know like mm-hmm. i want that's cool it imparts <laughs> confidence like yes. it gives it gives you a supreme level of confidence that you can that you can do what you need to do and go where you need to go safely Heck yeah which probably meant more because that wasn't just defending you anymore it was defending too so i thought about what it meant to be a warrior yeah and a samurai and that meant and and also you know signing up for military because that was also an idea that i was having too you know service to my country mm-hmm. but then i realized i would have to consent to kill yeah and that is the difficulty that's a that's a difficulty that i'm going to be staring in the face too because i've i've received training that you know if an inmate should try to confront me i should drop back into a ready stance yell at them at the top of my lungs yeah. but we also have to confront the fact that that's not a war and they're probably already in crisis so sure. we scratch our heads and we say okay it's good to have this training i'm glad i know what i know right but how do i use it right and i had already taken a life through my abortion oh. right so here i am Knowing the in value of life. my class training to you know suffocate somebody to death or whatever you know mm-hmm. give them a striking blow and as this life was growing inside of me and knowing what that is and especially you know after menstruating too and having my own blood come out every month like i know how tired mm. and drained that made me yeah and here i was bringing this new life into the world and i was like i can do no harm Mm -hmm. i cannot sign up for this Mm -hmm. but i need to know what it is because i need to know how to fight if i ever did because if anything came at my child you bet your bottom dollar i am fighting to the death to Mm -hmm. defend my baby Uh, Because there is this fierceness that I did also notice inside of me. Mm. So what came is I stopped doing martial arts. I quit entirely at that, well, that form. Mm -hmm. Because, um, you know, now looking back, knowing I'm an Enneagram 9, so a peacemaker, my heart could not do it in a fighting way anymore so my heart turned to yoga Mm. which does have martial applications for sure i mean i can you know and and warrior and strength and all of that but i don't know that was the vehicle i needed um more a welling up of empowerment and strength from within um Mm -hmm. rather than focusing on the combative part for me so so I pivoted and shifted and realized like um, the lives worth fighting for in my all is my own. Mm-hmm. And then um, 
And how do I live in congruence? So I had to be a peaceful warrior. I have to know what I know. Mm -hmm. I have to be taking a long, loving look at the real mm -hmm. and the world we live in, in the context and decide where to go from there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's important to emphasize that being true to yourself includes having this residual knowledge of how to defend yourself against lethal force, because in the very stark mathematics of, of this realm, if someone is able to remove you from this realm, they have removed peace and love. And removing peace and love is not what we're going for. So <laughs> let peace and love not be totally defenseless. There are contexts, yeah. there are situations in sure. which I'm very glad that you have that <laughs> training because I don't want to imagine yeah. you being vulnerable to removal. Every situation is different and everything right. will play out differently. So I noticed as I was contemplating, okay, like what would move me to action? You know, like mm -hmm. I have to get real clear when I will choose to use force. Yes. And that, uh, that is a multifaceted analysis that sort of weighs heavily because of the, the cost of everything involved. Um, because what we've talked about so far are the very distinct boundaries, the ones that are easy to see between, for instance, the inside of a prison and, and the outside civilian world. But like you're starting to imply correctly right now, uh, situations and microcosms where the borders are not visible can happen. Someone with aggressive intent moving into your combat range, if we want to, you know, if we want to get scientific about it, you know, if they're within, you know, 10 to 15 feet of you and they're, you know, focused on doing something to you, then you're living in a different world all of a sudden, even though no walls have changed, <laughs> you know, you, yeah. you were standing in the same place. Now it's a different situation and being true to yourself uh, means that you need to bring out some very different skills, perceptions, and planning from the ones that you were uh, engaged with moments earlier. Mm -hmm. uh, things can change in a hurry. And knowing that they've changed and being able to change your approach without changing your core values, the definition of integrity, yes. is what will give you the confidence to succeed in those situations. But it's also a very, very difficult thing to do. Sure. I would say thinking about these things uh, has also helped me change my trajectory in my my work mm, noticing so i as you were talking i was like oh my gosh i remember going through active shooter training oh yes right and mm -hmm. i'm sitting in the class having a freaking panic attack mm -hmm. and i'm like why am i here why would i want to come to a place of anywhere where this would even be something on my radar. And unfortunately, that is the, you know, where Facts of the life kind of context now. we're living in. And yeah. am I happy that I went through that training? Yes. You better be, uh, yeah. Uh, but I'm also scarred for life as a result of it. I mean, right. it's sad you know that you it's have a drill. to go through that training. Yeah, yeah. And, it's but, absolutely sad you have to live in, in the shadow of that. So. And then, you know, showing up to work at a healthcare facility where uh, it's a public place um, or even like going into a grocery store or any, I'm, you know, thinking about it. And mm -hmm. um, I'm grateful I have that level of awareness um, and, you know, I can switch. 
<laughs> I'm kind of pissed I do have that awareness. Because, uh, man, it was a lot nicer having a li- being able to live in a bubble where I wasn't worrying about it. <laughs> mm, innocence <laughs> but, experience, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so then I shifted my job. So I don't have that hovering on the surface of my active, you know, thing uh, mm. uh, and, and going into like a more public place. I, I work in po- more private places now. So it's not a, you know, uh, level, level, you know, a, a one out of 10. It's not on, not on my charts. Mm. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the, the hardest part of the hardest part of reconciling the different contexts and the different skills and what I'll sort of, for lack of a better term, call our dichotomous selves, or maybe even our multi-cotomous selves, that Thanks. we have a variety of different faces that we that we use. And by that, I, I more mean the angle at which we stand towards the world, not that we change, but more that we rotate our perspective. Um, the the most difficult part of that all for me has been being a, a person who loves radical honesty. How can I really say that I'm being radically honest in every situation? Yes. When the the context changes, when my location changes, when the needs of the situation change, mm-hmm. and that was really, I think, what I railed against during that class exercise in college. I think that was what I was sort of trying to say, but didn't know that I was trying to say at the time was, hey, wait a minute, I'm committed to telling the truth all the time. And yet you're telling me that there are times in which telling the truth would be the worst possible approach. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, uh, there are definitely times when because of the intent of someone else, the availability of resources and the situation, uh, telling the truth is not really something that would do well in every capacity, but there's also something else that I've learned through my combat training, um, which it it goes back to an old saying in baseball, the pitcher always has the advantage. And if the pitcher throws the pitch that he wants to the way that he wants to, he's going to have the batter exactly where he wants him. In other words, if you execute your plan for the situation with full effectiveness, you can tell that you, you you can tell the batter what pitch is coming, but if your pitch is good enough, it's not really going to be able to do too much with it. And that's more what I sort of have to, what I have to reckon with is that a lot of times I was all focused on who I was and being consistent with myself and, and enacting my integrity, but enacting integrity is not necessarily something that's always done with a self-facing perspective. It's something that's done with an outward facing perspective at certain times. So what I mean to say in all this is that if I were to tell somebody where I'm drawing my boundary, that is almost always true to myself and true to the situation. Because if I'm drawing the appropriate boundary, it's for the best in the long run for everybody involved. It defends my core values. It lets love and grace and kindness win in the long run. 
no matter what I have to do in the moment. If it, if it's balanced, yeah, if it's uh, appropriate, like you're saying. Uh-huh. Well, right. I mean, yeah. sometimes there are some very, like you were implying, there are some decisions that may involve doing something that makes us very queasy in the moment. Because if someone is coming you know, into your sphere intent on doing you damage and you defend yourself, you will have to perform acts of force and violence. And even if you, you know, even if you follow my advice and you yell at this person, get back. If you come into my space, I will defend myself. You've told them what pitch is coming. And then if they keep coming and you execute your pitch properly, yeah, you're going to cause them pain. You may even change their lives. But the thing is, you told them where the boundary was and you were sacredly defending yourself and mm-hmm. all of the core values inside yourself. So there are, so yes, to answer the ultimate philosophical question, there are justified uses of force. You know, this uh, shrapnel has exploded this uh, line of defense and this warning system and you have now pushed me to my limit and now you're going to get it. <laughs> and and that and that in and of itself, the structure of what you just said is something very important because it develops uh, a heuristic for how we can live our lives. Namely, put very simply, that having a plan B is critical. Mm. It, one line of defense is easily penetrated. Two lines of defense, not so much. Sometimes for very important things, three or even four lines of defense. Um, but we have to make value judgments when we're not under pressure. We have to educate ourselves and train ourselves when we are not under pressure so that we have the defenses, not only because it gives us the confidence, but because it really actually does mm. protect what matters most. When you're drawing that map of integrity, an mm-hmm. upright person who looks the same from all directions in relation to their heart, mm-hmm. like instead of, you know, this like fuzzy sphere where you can't really see mm, that person with integrity will have this solid core like a marble because Mm. they're acting so purely like from how they've decided to be and act out their lives so we don't get wishy-washy uh and you know like you know where you stand those people are solid and you know mm-hmm. does that kind of oh that definitely resonates okay um and it resonates because the creation of this solidness is the result of the confrontation of fears both known and unknown our deepest vulnerabilities are the ones that we're unaware of so sometimes when we go through these experiences where we receive combat training for instance just to name one that we hold in common Um, we discover different fears that we had, but hadn't become aware of. Mm -hmm. And suddenly we're aware of these fears. Suddenly we're reckoning with them. But the great news is once we've applied our core values to the situation, we can understand. And again, as you've said, go with that rock solid confidence that we know what to do in the physical realm and we know why to do it in the spiritual realm. Mm. And that that's where true trust and happiness can grow is in that knowledge who are we and why are we here and i think those are the questions that we started out this podcast with. <laughs> yeah absolutely which 
you know, we're going to be taking a we're going to be taking a little bit of a look next time about why the podcast has developed the way that it has and so forth. And I think all of this really does play into that, that mm. we are in the words of uh, in the words of Doug Pinnock, we are finding who we are. And uh, for what it's worth, the second line is uh, we can see forever. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, Carrie brings us Alter Space. This is the part of our podcast where I bring a tangible item to connect to the intangible. I have a new thing. It hasn't even been an, on an altar yet. Well, it's on oh, my wow. tray here, right on my desk. I bought new pen nibs. Ooh, um, very nice, very nice. Speedball pen nibs, and there are they. There's ten different nibs in this uh, package. There's some that look like uh, different size circles. Mm. Um, there are some that are flat, and then there are some that are regular uh, writing nibs. So mm-hmm. they perform differently in different sizes, and. Um, I bought them because I I did this wonderful calligraphy class um, through the Ashford Arts Council here in Ashford, Connecticut, and we had a wonderful teacher. Uh, her name is Kathy. I know her last name begins with an L, and I forget Lepak L E P A K. I think. Um, yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, and she taught us how to write in the italic hand. And what I learned is when you're writing the um, it's called the hand, the script. Mm -hmm. And when you're like on your computer, it's called the font. Yep. There's a little difference. And then I learned that the space between the words or the letters or the ductus yeah, that that's ductus. it's ductus in print. It's kerning in typesetting. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't that sound like it should be a bot, like a like a duct ductus should be like a body part in your intestines or something? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I really really enjoyed it. Um, and and I decided to play a little bit uh, with mm. the tools that we I got in in this class. So um. I did play a little Ooh. bit with dip pen pens um, and using these nibs and doing different scripts and just having some plain good old fun. Um, and I highly recommend just doing a little doodle or, or a little, you know, oh, I feel like I'm going to go write the Declaration of Independence and you go find a feather in the backyard. You know, give yourself <laughs> a little bit of leeway and, and play because, you know, um, so new subscribers may or may not receive hand calligraphed uh, cards, huh? 
I am telling you, I am in love. And uh, we've talked about in the past how I used to get really bad grades in handwriting back when they used to teach us that in elementary school. And um, that would be the only thing I'd get bad grades in. And my mom would be like, why didn't you do better? You can do better than this. Not like that. She didn't say it like that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just being dramatic. Um, but, you know, I told you, I didn't care. Um, yeah. And as I was sitting in this handwriting class last weekend, I realized it's, it's the, I think it's because like the old soul in my body didn't have a uh, nibbed pen mm -hmm. because you mm -hmm. are different when you write with a nibbed pen. You have to be. And I thoroughly I, believe that. Yeah, I think it's part of like that old lived soul wisdom that was like, what is this ballpoint crap? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, um, you know, uh, so, so um, I love my handwriting. I've always loved my handwriting. Mm -hmm. And um, now it's finally at home. So that's my altar space item, some speedball nibs to play with. That uh, is wonderful. I think I have seen that set, by the way, on jet pens. So even though did. they're not a yeah, even though they're not a sponsor, um, I I know where you can find them and a, a good a good group that stands behind their you know products and customer service. So well, stationary objects, x uh, altar space there. Yep, we're multi multitasking today. So thanks nice. for listening. Now we'll jauntily walk over to the Poets Corner. Andrew, what do you have for us today? Oh, do I have to speak in an English accent that's not I don't really know. my own? I just make up stuff. Uh, okay. Because <laughs> I'm a goofball. Well, the stuff that I've made up this week is a poem um, inspired by driving back to the old neighborhood and, and looking at the house that I grew up in. Mm. Uh, this one is called Bigger. The old house was so much bigger when I was young. In my cinematic mind, the yard was expansive, and the woods were dark and deep, and I had promises to keep, and promises to keep me going and going, until I was gone, grown, bigger, some size to make sense of the streets of that funhouse mirror town, except that you can't go home again. The 17-foot Pontiac, four oaks, 200 feet at least, the miles to and from school, the hours in the choir loft, the steeple piercing heaven, the incline of the hill on which we lived. They and we were monumental, heroes with uncanny strength, and mighty deeds done, days on days on days, with hands too small to grasp what all we had, when not we, 
but all the world around was so much bigger. Love it. I would love to hear from our listeners about their take on how things were when they were little. Yeah, that is and, a that is a very fascinating thing. Yeah. Write to us about how you perceive the change in perspective. Mm. Because I think there's a lot to be there's a lot to be found out in that, even if it's only a one step realization. Like you know, you can easily look at my poem and it, it's obvious I was an anxious child. Everything seemed disproportionately large. I mean, I understand. I was actually smaller, but now having allayed some of these anxieties and, and done a lot of you know work in life and work on myself, I go back and I understand it's very easy to think that just looking at something would tell me how it would be to live in it. And I can't actually go back in time and try it all over again. But I think I perceive things as being much more significant, imposing, uh, grandiose, uh, mm -hmm. than they actually ever could have been. Um, and this illusion had blessings and drawbacks. Mm -hmm. So I, I look back and I see the unaddressed nervousness mm -hmm. in myself through, mm -hmm. through that poem. It does, I acknowledge the beauty, you know, we, we were heroes. I mean, being able to handle all that daunting stuff, my goodness, pat ourselves on the back. But then again, you know, it's one of those things where the line, you can't go home again, which of course is that Thomas Wolfe reference, also says that I will never have that illusion anymore. I will never again be able to think to myself, like you were saying, innocence versus experience. I will never be able to go back to that point of view where I'm a hero for dealing with all this incredibly huge stuff because I, I just don't see the stuff as so big anymore. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I have to find a way to appreciate my heroism in a different light, not just by size. And the dogs agree. I was going to say, Zizi agrees. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think that pretty much means that we need to, to step towards wrapping it up. So, uh, so I'll just go right into it here and thank everybody. Thank you so very much for listening. Um, thank you for your, for your letters and postcards. You warm our hearts and you make it possible for us to continue to, to do the art that we love and to provide for our families and to bring you more episodes of sacred airspace. Um, Tune in next week for more short fiction. I hope those of you who have been listening in have been enjoying uh, the serialized short fiction called Sharon. I'll have uh, another installment of that for you. And two weeks from now, Carrie and I will talk about manifesting is messy, how the podcast is, <laughs> why it is the way it is, and how we love um, how it's grown. So we're looking forward to, to talking with you then. Until then, please, uh, if you are so led, leave a five-star review in your podcast browser of choice. Recommend us to your friends. And if you're ready to take that step, go to www.patreon.com slash sacred airspace podcast. Become part of our inner circle. It's called Sacred Friendship, and it gives you a monthly bonus episode, monthly Zoom hangout, a, uh, a direct pen palling opportunity with uh, Carrie and with me the opportunity to share your art and passion here on air 
and discounts on products and services. So thank you for being with us. Go in peace. Blessings.